On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap KU's loss to Baylor in Waco as they've now lost three in a row for just the third time in the Bill Self era. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Johnson, you can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk from 3 to 6 o'clock on KLWN, your flagship station in Lawrence from 3 to 6 every Monday through Friday. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you end your podcast. As you can hear, my voice continues to get worse, but uh, we're going to power through today. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to recap the KU Baylor game. KU's now lost three games in a row. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So uh, KU falls to Baylor 75 to 69. And, you know, in a vacuum, you look at this loss or the, the loss at K-State and it's like, ah, whatever. The TCU loss is why this loss kind of stings a little bit more. Um, and now you are in a very difficult position. You've lost three straight games for just the third time in the Bill Self era. You've never lost four, so we'll see, because it doesn't get much easier. You got Kentucky, and then you know you have Kansas State and Iowa State, the, the two front runners right now in the Big 12 after that. So uh, not going to be easier to pick this up. But if you look at it from a standpoint of what this means for the Big 12, you know if you think 14-4 and four gets it done, which is what it did last year, I mean, Kansas has to go nine and one down the stretch. I don't know that you're confident that's going to happen after this three-game stretch, and even when they were five and zero, winning a lot of close games. If you think thirteen and five gets it done this year, which is very possible, still got to go eight and two. That feels very difficult from where this Kansas team is right now. But we've seen past Bill Self teams, KU teams, reel off a bunch of wins in a row. That's kind of what they're banking on at this point. Who knows? Maybe twelve and six gets it done this year, and you have a little bit more leeway. And we just saw Baylor lose three straight games, then win five in a row, including last night. So it's not entirely impossible, but Kansas is just going to have to start playing better. Uh, the slow starts continued to plague KU as it did last night. I think you get down 18 to seven in the early going. And uh, it's just over and over again. It's a little disappointing when the slow starts keep happening and it's like you can't do anything about it. And you expect, hey, we just lost last game kind of got whooped like you expect them to come out with a bit of energy and effort and it just wasn't there right off the bat so uh, I don't know what you do if you're Bill Self to try to shake things up but it's tough because you know they're kind of in this in this weird cycle right now of a, a bunch of guys have been dropping off you're not really getting anything from the bench to supplant that like Jalen Wilson's been great Grady Dick was great last night but you're just not getting a bunch of other you know, contributions from all around the team. And so you keep getting yourself into these holes and then you spend so much time and effort crawling back into the game and, and maybe you get a lead or like the TCU game, you spend so much time and effort getting it back to 10 and a half and then you had no energy left in the second half. The game against Baylor, you come back and, and eventually you take that quick lead off the, the three ball that gives you a one point lead. And like a minute or two later of game action, you're down by like six or seven again. You've just, gotten yourself in such big holes by the time you use your energy to get back into it it's just gone and it it's not sustainable to keep having to come back in these games and that's what we're seeing in a lot of these lately um now you saw a little bit of everything that's been hurting KU lately at different moments bad defense in the first half 
giving up too easy of drives, um, maybe switching too much. Like Bill Self has always been, at least lately, like they've done a switching defense, but he's still been a proponent of like, don't just automatically switch if they let you. Like try to fight through the screen, you know, to where switch if you have to, but try to fight through it. And, and we haven't seen a lot of that fight lately. And we saw that a lot in the first half. Bad defense, giving up a bunch of open shots. There was like a, a three-play stretch where Ernest Duday was just like running around, didn't really look like he knew where he was going. And it led to a couple threes for Baylor, including Jake Fire. that um, there's like a screenshot of it. It looks like it's supposed to be Kevin McCuller's man, but it's not. Um, Kevin McCuller has two guys because Uday is up running somewhere else. And one of them is the center in the paint setting the screen for LJ Cryer. But if Kevin McCuller goes out on LJ Cryer, it's just a wide open dunk, which as much as wide open three, you don't want to give up. It's still less percentage than a wide open dunk, which is like a 95% shot, probably 99 or a hundred. Right. Um, so just little things like that continue to plague them defensively. Uh, bad three-point defense. Like, yes, teams have been going off above their weight in terms of their three-point shooting against Kansas, but a big part of it, too, they've just left guys wide open. Like, you're going to give up a higher percentage if that's the case. Um, obviously, there have been in these last couple of games a lot of threes that have fallen where you actually have had good defense, and that's unfortunate, but that continued on in this game. You had a long stretch of not scoring. There seems to be one stretch every game where it's like three to seven minutes for KU where they just can't score. That happened again. Inability of other options to score. Jalen Wilson show continues. He's been fantastic again. Grady Dick was really good, but uh, Dewan Harris really on the struggle bus. I don't know what's going on there. KJ Adams, foul trouble, and just kind of struggling in general. Um, Kevin McCuller I thought was was good, but the shot's still not falling, and, and the offense continues to be a bit uglied up there, and then nothing that you're getting from the bench. You get two points from the bench, which that's kind of just what you pencil them in for every game. It's like zero to two points. Which one are you picking? Um, and that's part of it too. And then the bad defensive rebounding, like that was kind of a theme all night long. We have seen games where KU has actually done a good job on the defense class early in the year, like the Duke game, the Tennessee game. Those were clear problems uh, against Iowa State. It was a clear problem. Um, Last game against TCU, it was a clear problem. And then this game against Baylor, clear problem again. And that just continued all game long. They had a couple big offensive rebounds down the stretch and really through every moment of the game. And that allowed them to be in a situation where, you know, they didn't shoot well in the second half at all. Your defense actually played well in the second half after struggling in the first half. But because they got so many offensive rebounds and because they, you know, forced a bunch of turnovers and you didn't force any, it led to them having a bunch more shots, a bunch more possessions, and that's how they ended up winning the game. Now, where this leaves KU, they can still win the Big 12. Like I said, you, you've you seen other past KU teams lose three straight and win the Big 12. Um, you've seen other past KU teams, you know, have stretches where they struggle, like the 2015-16 uh, team lost three straight road games and three of five overall. And a lot of those teams were fine. But it just gets you behind the eight ball at this point. And... I think what we're seeing is like when I because I, I saw a lot of people last night be like, this is this is the 2020 to 21 team, the the team that got the three seed and got bounced by a billion points to USC in the second round. Or this is the 2018-19 team, the Diedrich Lawson team that has, um, you know, I, I guess um, kind of lethargic in certain ways. Like there was some talent there, but 
you could just tell like it wasn't a classic Bill Self team and uh, they lose in the second round by a billion points to Auburn. And I saw some of those comparisons. I think this team's better than that. There's more talent, man. Like Grady Dick is going to be a top 20 pick in the NBA draft. He's really good. Jalen Wilson is a first team All-American. Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris are still very good defenders. Now, I don't know what's going on with Dewan. He's certainly in a rut right now, but um, KJ has his deficiencies as like a defensive rebounder but he still has a lot of pluses about him and there still is a lot of talent on that bench. I think this team is better than those. The ceiling is better. I, I think just what we're seeing is that you have a good team here, but clearly this is not a great team. And so when you have a good team, not a great team that is playing a bad stretch of basketball and you mix all that together with being in the toughest conference in the country, and this is the deepest that the Big 12 has ever been, there's no opportunity to just reset and you get punished if you're not playing well in this version of the Big 12, right? You can't go back like 10 years ago when it's like, okay, we're getting punished, but hey, we have Nebraska. We'll just beat them by 20 points. That's not the case this time around. So I think this team is better than those teams. I expect it to finish better, and I expect them to bounce back from this, but to what level? Does that mean they're going to win the Big 12? I don't know, because there's a lot of good competition there. Um, And maybe we should just stop focusing on that. Like, I think we stopped viewing it from the lens of, can this team win the Big 12? I'm not saying that you don't leave those expectations that they should or that they should try to. Absolutely, they should. But I think right now, you just look for internal improvement. Can you just win games? Can you just get better? And in turn, that would help you win the Big 12. But forget the thoughts on, can this team still win the Big 12? Just focus, can this team get better? Because right now, they're in a rut and they're not playing well. All right, we're going to get on to our goats of the game. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in free bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. Locked on. You can see it if you're uh, watching on YouTube. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at bigger payout with same game parlays. One of the things that that I really like to do, you can do this on FanDuel. They have winning margins, and it's great for the Big 12. You pick which team you think is going to win. And instead of picking that money line where it might be like minus 105 or plus 120 or something, you pick them to win by they have this margins thing between one to 10 points. And then it ups the odds like plus 160 to plus 200, somewhere in that range. All these big 12 games seem to be close. Now it's not going to work every game, but if you have like three games like you do tonight, maybe two of the three will hit and then you'll make a lot of money. You can do that at FanDuel. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Football fans don't miss out. Basketball fans don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, getting on to our ghost of game. Was good dick. He had 24 points. He was awesome. Um, 8 of 13 from the floor. Goes 2 of 5 from three-point range. And... I think that was a, a perfect game to show his diversification and what he can do as a scorer. I thought that was his best game as a diversified scorer because we've seen other games where he maybe has like a transition play or he has a nice cut and catch and you know reverse layup finish. But we haven't seen it as much where he's done it off the dribble and driven off his own accord and gotten to the rim. So that was really important to show. 
because it's going to be tougher for teams to face guard him. Or if they keep taking away his threes, that's your counter to that. And that's going to be very crucial for him to do down the stretch. But he was great. 24 points, also had four rebounds, even had to deal with the early foul trouble. that kept his minutes down to 31. Uh, maybe if he stays in there early, he even ends up closer to 30 points. Jalen Wilson gets a good goat. He had 23 points. He went 10 of 16 from the floor. He was 3 of 7 from three-point range. Really good overall once again. He had five rebounds, two assists, one block. Um, he just continues to, to be the guy for this team. Whenever they need something to happen offensively, he kind of carries them to that. So uh, Jalen and Grady, and again, it sucks because – this is some of the best ball Jalen's played, three straight games. You've lost all three, unable to take advantage of it. Um, good go for Kevin McCuller, actually, minus the really bad, noticeable offensive stretch. So if I take out that really bad offensive stretch that he had for that like one or two-minute stretch, it was a really good game. Unfortunately, that happened. So if we were looking at Kevin McCuller overall, I don't know. I still lean toward him being a good goat, um, but it would be a little bit, bit more different. So, um, the bad offensive stretch I'm talking about, if you remember, he had the play where he, he tried to take like a, a jumper. It gets blocked to him, and then he tries to lean through and shoot again, and it gets blocked again. So that's two blocked shots on him. Then moments later, he misses a layup. And then moments later, he misses two wide-open corner threes back-to-back. That was a really tough offensive stretch, and it was very noticeable in how it happened. So everybody remembers that and is like, oh, Kevin's still broken. And because of their recent struggles, it's easy to pile on. But I'm here to tell you, he actually played a good game. It's just those plays were so noticeable. But, like, he had 14 points, which was third on the team. He had 12 rebounds, which led the team. Nobody on Kansas had more than five rebounds. He had 12. He had four assists. He had two steals and a block. He filled up the stat sheets. He led you in rebounds. He led you in defensive rebounds. He led you in offensive rebounds. He led you in assists. He led you in blocked shots. And he led you in steals. He was eight for eight at the foul line too. So yes, the offense wasn't great, but also 14 points on nine shots. That's not the worst thing in the world, especially when you combine all those other things that he led you in. Uh, obviously, yes, you still need his shot to improve to be better, but he actually played kind of well. It's just that one stretch where it was very noticeable that he was struggling offensively that I think kind of dilutes a lot of people's minds. The last one I have for good goat is free throw shooting. He, uh, as a team, big reason why Kevin McCuller, there were 16 of 16. It's actually a very good free throw shooting game for a KU team. That is, I don't know, kind of been up and down in that regard this season. Okay. Onto the bad goats, Dewan Harris, two points, just one of five from the floor. I think he's two for 18, his last four games from the floor. He had four assists to four turnovers. We've seen the turnover numbers skyrocket. The one play he had where Kansas has a chance to, I think they were down five at the time, and they throw the the full court pass to Joe Yasfu through stolen, and that was uh, certainly a I don't know gut punch to you. I again go back to when he hit his head against Kansas State, and they cleared of him him of concussion. So I don't know if just I don't know how the concussion tests work and everything, um, but I don't know if there was some other rigid, residual effect. I don't know if he suffered some other injury, but like it's been a struggle for him since then. And it's hard not to go back to that moment and wonder how that affected him. Like even the first play of the game, he drives straight to the lane and he has a wide open layup and he dishes it off to Jalen Wilson in traffic and it gets stolen away. Something's just not right with him and they need him to get right because he has been that steady force all season long. And this has been a really unsteady stretch for him from a guy you don't expect that to happen. Like with Grady Dick, okay, sure. There's going to be ups and downs because he's a shooter. Sometimes you have nights the shot isn't falling. He's a freshman too. 
with Dewan. That's not supposed to be the case, but here we are, and it's happening. So they got to get him right. KJ Adams, bad goat, four points, just one of five from the floor, just three rebounds, getting worked on the defense glass, just one assist, um, just kind of removed from the game. It it was tough for him. So uh, back-to-back games where I think he's two for 11 the past two games combined. They got to get him going again because uh, that's certainly been something missing here. The bench gets a bad goat. 30 minutes combined from the bench in this game from Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesfu, MJ Rice, Ernest Uday. Um, MJ came in very briefly. Uday got lost a couple times defensively. Bobby didn't really make an impact on the game. It's tough because you see a play where like Jalen Wilson catches it and he has Bobby Pettiford wide open in the corner. And so he makes the extra pass, but then Bobby can't shoot. So he tries to drive it and he runs into a turnover. Um, but combined all those players, I thought Joe played the best, pressured the ball well. It four rebounds, but still wasn't like a big score. But all, combined, all those guys had just two points in 30 minutes of play. They went one of four from the floor. They had six fouls, and they had five turnovers. At least Joe got those four rebounds. But outside of that, yuck from the bench. Uh, rebounding gets a bad goat here. 18 Baylor offensive rebounds. KU had 25 defensive rebounds. That's not going to get it done. Uh, a lot of them felt like, they were getting a lot of 50-50 balls. You were getting out-efforted and out-hustled. Baylor came in a very good offensive rebounding team. That's always a Scott Drew thing. So you know you're going to give up offensive rebounds. But if you have 18, you can't do that. It's got to be a number that's closer to like 9 to 12. And that kind of combined with the six more KU turnovers than Baylor, which KU has been unable to force turnovers lately. Um, Baylor ended up taking 10 more shots and nine more free throw attempts. And part of that was, I guess, bad goat for Doug Sermons. Not the reason KU lost. They had plenty of other reasons, but Doug Sermons stunk in that game. He just did. Um, nonetheless, Baylor just outmuscled you on the glass and really took advantage of you. And because of all those extra um, possessions, even though you played well on first shot defense, it was unable to, to get the job done in Waco. All right, we're going to finish up with kind of a look around in the Big 12 for some stuff happening right here with Locked On Jayhawks. So K-State takes on Iowa State on Tuesday night, which is uh, tonight, day of recording. And that's the biggest game in the Big 12 this week. Um, Kansas State, your Big 12 leader at the moment, Iowa State right behind them. If Kansas State wins this game, it's going to be hard for them not to win the Big 12. They'd be in the absolute driver's seat. They would be at 7-1. and one. Um, Everybody would have three losses or more except Texas at that point, who would have two, but K-State already won in Austin. So they take care of home against Texas too. You know, it's going to be hard for them to fumble down the stretch. Now, if Iowa State wins, that would be huge for Kansas because at that point, you're just a game back of everyone at the top. Part of the problem, though, is that even if that's true, it's not as simple to be like, oh, if Iowa State wins tonight, it, you know, it means that their loss last night to Baylor doesn't matter. No, because it's not just about who's in first, it's that. There's so many, it's it's like whatever the, gosh, you know, in Hercules fighting like the, the dog with three heads or the snake with three heads, I forget what it is. And uh, he cuts one off and more heads grow back, right? So if Iowa State beats K-State tonight, it does get you closer to the Big 12 leaderboard and keeps you around. But it's almost like the next time the first place team loses in the Big 12, two more heads grow back. Because now all of a sudden there's so many teams muddled together at the top here. Like, think about it. If Iowa State wins tonight, you got K-State, Iowa State, assuming Texas wins tonight, assuming TCU wins tonight, Baylor and Kansas, all six of those teams would be between five and three and six and two. 
So you start scoreboard watching and you root against the team who's in first and they lose. And it's like, okay, great. The team in first lost. And then you're all of a sudden like, wait, but those two teams are in first now and they won. So it's like, it's, it's getting very difficult and you have to root for so many teams to lose that it's almost not possible. So that's the problem here with what KU has set themselves up with that loss. But certainly you need Iowa State to beat K-State tonight. Otherwise, it's going to feel like K-State has kind of the red carpet laid out for him for him uh, the rest of the way. And it doesn't mean they would win the Big 12 because we've seen other teams feel like it's gift-wrapped for them down the stretch and they blow it down the stretch. So you never know what's going to happen. But it would it would put them in a very firm driver's seat at that point. Um, and for Iowa State, if they win this game, then, I don't know, maybe they're in the driver's seat. But... Um, I guess either way, it's going to kind of come down to what you do next week if you're Kansas. K-State at home, that's a non-negotiable win. And then Iowa State on the road, where if you can win that, that would be the most massive win you could have probably this season. Um, also get TCU hosting Oklahoma tonight, Texas hosting Oklahoma State. I would imagine both the home schools are going to win that one, and both are in the Big 12. But if even one of those gets upset at home, like that's a good thing for Kansas. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk a little KU football. They've made a conditions here lately. Uh, we'll get to that on tomorrow's episode. If you have anything you want to talk about, hit me up at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. You can find us wherever you subscribe to your podcast or on YouTube. Have a good rest of your day. See you tomorrow. Bye.